What is up? Happy Friday. It's the 3C Podcast. I am your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday. Let's go. You know what that means. Conversation on the other side of this with a marketer that's going to bring you tons of insights. And I have one lined up today. So I am excited to be joined by Lauren Decker. Lauren and I go way back. It's been too long. It was kind of a catch up for me. Spent some time together at Exact Target. Lauren went and just spent the last several years over at G2 leading brand and product marketing initiatives. We talk about that. Um, and now she's uh, back in Indianapolis doing consulting work. So we we talk about that and her mindset. Um, you're going to want to listen to this one. If you like what we've been doing, hit that subscribe button, leave a review. Make sure you join our wait list to get our newsletter. Be the first to use the juice. It's coming soon. Coming very, very soon. So don't forget to do that. Let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm really excited for this conversation. I am joined by Lauren Decker. Lauren and I had some crossover during our time at Exact Target, and I always like to talk with old ETers. There's a there's a lot um, of energy there. Anytime we we get one of, of former Exact Target people on the pod. Also, Lauren spent a lot of time working at G2 in several different roles. Um, Want to dig into that experience. I think from a content perspective, there'll be a lot that comes out of that. Lauren, I know you're busy in the middle of some life transitioning, but how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing really good. I'm here in Indiana. It's good to be back. We just moved from Chicago. So it feels like we've come home and really excited to plug back into the tech community here. So it's great to start that by chatting with you. Yeah. And speaking of just that transition and the, the tech community here in Indy, have, you know, you've been away for a while, I guess, uh, just the question out of the top, like what, what has been, you know, biggest surprises to you or observations that you've learned as you kind of integrate back into the uh, indie tech community? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just how small and how progressive the community is here. And I mean, small in a really good way. I think that tech in general is so much smaller than you realize. And then when you come back to Indy, it's a community that is small and supportive of one another in a way that is hard to find in other parts of the country. I think that's what's so unique is you see that, you know, there's so much growth happening in Indy and there's so much good uh, traction being made by all these companies. And when you talk to the folks at those companies, everyone's trying to help each other out. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of pride in the indie tech community. And I love that. There are some places in other parts of the country where it's just so much more cutthroat. And it's been really fun to see, even from afar, what's been happening in indie. And so I'm, I'm super excited to be back. And to be a part of it again. So I have to ask you how big uh, how big of a role do you think the exact target Salesforce acquisition spin out um, has to do with kind of your sentiment there? Yeah, probably plays a huge part for me and just seeing a lot of the folks that I worked with at Exact Target and Salesforce going out and doing their own thing and building these really smart cool companies. I think it has, for me, it has everything to do with my sentiment. And of course I'm biased in that given that 
exact target was my first job. I had only wonderful feelings about the experience. And so it, it definitely colors my perspective on things. Well, before we get off the exact target topic and jump into kind of G2 and your experience there, I have to ask because oftentimes like in my various stops along the way up into this one, something happens during a day or during a week and I'll, I'll reflect back and be like, oh yeah, well I did X because I learned that from this person at exact target or this experience from exact target led to me maybe working on this priority. So I think like anyone who's worked in that, uh, it, it worked in that during that exact target time can definitely uh, recognize that and pull experiences f- from their experience. Uh, I'm curious, what are some of the big moments or big takeaways that you kind of t- took with you when you left Indianapolis that you learned uh, during, during your, your stop at ET? Wow. There's so much. I feel like in my day-to-day, I'm remembering back to early days at Exact Target and things that I learned there that I've carried forward. And I feel so fortunate to have started my career at Exact Target because I feel like I got such a good foundation on not just uh, product marketing, but and some of the you know areas that I've continued to work in, but also just just business and life skills. I think that you know one of the funny things when I came to G two is I got a reputation for being really efficient in my meetings and how I run meetings and come with an agenda ahead of time and really move people through and. That's something that I learned early on from interning at Exact Target was the importance of of running a meeting and how to structure that. And it's such a small thing, but it was so valuable to me. I mean, all the way up through today, and I expect it'll continue. Just those those small foundational things that make you more effective in whatever role you're in. I feel like I learned so many of those things at Exact Target. And I think at Exact Target, that's where I really develop this passion for product marketing that I have. I had the chance to work with RJ Talier on the mobile team and Doug Wilson and Greg Murphy and David Galante. And it was a super scrappy team. And one of those groups of people that everybody was willing to roll up their sleeves and and do the work. And I learned a lot about the power of product marketing and the importance of having that person who is really in the middle of sales and product and marketing and the impact they can have on, you know, your business line. And so much of what I learned, you know, growing up with that team I've taken and used throughout my career. I love that. And I can totally relate. And I'm sure just in you in your career progressing and you hiring and building teams, when you you meet people and when you're hiring people and then when they finally get into the fold and they start working and executing, typically what I found, it's the little things that stand out about certain people like, oh, this this person, individual knows how to run an efficient meeting or this person has exceptional writing skills or this person can really do a good job in our one-on-ones communicating what they need. And I think those as, as you know, whatever role you're in, in marketing, those types of things really stand out 
And I think you don't really realize it at the time or when you're going through the trenches and experiencing those things and learning and kind of, you know, refining your craft. But then when you kind of zoom out and you start, your career starts to progress and you start to be on the other end of the hiring process, it's those little things that start to stand out. Uh, Is that, is that make sense to you? Absolutely. I think it's those things about a person that demonstrate their ability to learn and grow. And, you know, for me, it's a lot of that natural drive or motivation that comes from within. And those are all qualities I think that are really fundamental because there's so much in a role that you can teach or coach and learn on the job, but it's finding those skills that are, you know, already there that are going to make this person successful in whatever they do. And then, and then you can like fill in the rest. You can fill in those gaps through coaching and training and, and just on the job experience. Absolutely. Okay. So let's jump into the G2 experience. I think as we're in the pre-launch mode of the juice and we're building right now, we're, you know, it's regular conversations around, you know, pricing and packaging. One minute we're talking about events, campaigns, brand updates. It's the whole gamut of things and it changes, but we're trying to really look at other brands that inspire us, other models that inspire us. And one that definitely keeps coming up is G2, just based on having members and or people coming in to um, use G2 to figure out what software is doing and what people are saying about software. But then on the G2 side too, there's this, well, we can also, we have a product that we can sell to brands and um, brands can use us to, you know, better represent who they are and what they do. So like that model and my observations of like how G2 has gone to market, we've been really looking at that as an area of inspiration for what we're doing at the juice on the content side. So I think having you here, I definitely want to maybe dig into that, but I want to start with just my observations on your roles. It seems like as as you progressed your career at G2, it always in the roles, product marketing has kind of been front and center, but it seems like you've had like a sidecar of something else to something else you were responsible for. I guess maybe start from the top and just like when you joined G2, like looks like you started off with product and started off with customer marketing. Maybe talk about just like owning product and owning another function, what what that was like and maybe what you learned along the way. Yeah, it was it was definitely a journey where I had the chance to get involved in a lot of different areas of marketing. As you said, starting with customer and product marketing. And I was hired by Ryan Benici, our CMO at the time and we were talking a lot about these two functions that they were working to get up and running, which was customer marketing and product marketing. And, you know, as we talked about those and my experiences, as well as the goals of those two areas of marketing, it felt like to us, there was a clear connection between product marketing and customer marketing. And that's different. I think at a lot of different organizations. And and I think that both of those find themselves living in various parts of the organization, depending on what company you talk to. But the overlap for us made sense because it was really about how we are powering and enabling our customers to, to use our product most effectively and to 
be educated on what they can do to get the most value, but then using our customers to help us inform how do we go to market and to really power the messaging and the strategy so that we are being effective in our communications and in our product launches and so on. And so, you know, there seemed enough overlap there, but it was, it was a really great experience for me to get to understand, you know, how customers were starting and and product users were starting to use reviews. Cause that was obviously a huge part of, you know, what we thought about with customer marketing was how people were using tools just like G2 and how we could elevate the voice of that customer, you know, beyond what, what most companies were traditionally doing and integrating that into our website, integrating that into really all of our marketing touch points, our communications. And so it was a good experiment for me and kind of drinking our own champagne, as we like to say, in terms of, okay, what, what is G2 stance on customer marketing as we're helping these other brands do this as well and elevate their own customer marketing efforts. So I I learned a lot in that period. And that really helped as I continued in my journey with G2 of helping to build the brand and, and helping to, you know, work through our communications plan. And of course, the product marketing aspects. Yeah. Just curious on that. So the L so G2 is doing something that a, are helping power something for uh, marketers that is oftentimes maybe siloed, oftentimes difficult to capture. Oftentimes marketers might not think how important it is, but that's actually gather social proof of their product and consolidate it in one space, which is like super powerful. And so I think about what you were just saying, and you're seeing this happen. You're seeing from all of this great content that G2 is helping facilitate from the for your customers. And then you talked about, well, we're helping power. We're seeing this, like, how do we start to think about it? I guess like when, when you think about like, well, how do we gather this social proof or how do we as a business do something similar to highlight what people are saying about us? Like when, when did those moments come for you? And like, how did you work through kind of bringing those to life? Yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of, of when it came through for us, it really became a whole company initiative. And I think that it was really deeply ingrained from the beginning at G2, from the co-founders in 2020 when they founded it, because they were prior founders. They This was not their first company. And so they'd actually been through this experience of using analysts are using third parties and things like that to get the word out about, you know, the quality of, or the value of their product and their solution. And so they have experienced the pains of doing that. And, and in their experience created a a lot of um, empathy for like these companies that are, are trying to grow and they're trying to get the social proof that they need, or they're trying to get the third party proof that they need. And so that was, I think, really ingrained from the beginning of G2 uh, because the founders had really lived that through their prior lives. And so when I came in and I was working with the team, it was really, what does that look like now? How do we continue to elevate that and really lead from the front? So we put our customers on the website 
on our homepage. And we leaned into that more and more over the course of the couple years at G2 and making sure that we were using all of those things that, that we were putting out, like video reviews of people who had used G2's marketing solutions and what those, you know, and talking into that and, and using it and, and also experiencing the challenges that come with it too, because it's not easy and, and sometimes it's hard to measure. And sometimes there's, you know, even challenges within the product. And we became strong users of our own product so that we understood the challenges that our own customers were facing and that we could feed that back into our product organization as well. And I think that's, that's really the beauty of making sure you're embracing. And I think you actually had a line in one of your emails recently about like another take on, on drinking your own champagne or eating your own dog food. But I think that that's what we really tried to do at G2 was, you know, how do we do that ourselves so that we can speak to our customers, we understand their world and what they're going through, but then also we help our own organization get better and better in that. And, and we didn't always, we weren't always successful, right? Like we had failures in that too, where we would try something new and that didn't work as we expected it. To, so we went back to the drawing board and tried again. And I think that that is a common thread that we use in building the brand at G2 is with Ryan's support and with the support of the marketing leaders that we had, we really tried to to push the envelope and to try new things. and to fail fast and sometimes fail big. And, you know, some of those things paid off really well. And, and other things we learned from and we kept going. I love it. And I want to get into a uh, dig into a little bit of the brand stuff. I think like any content marketer that's listening to this show, don't want to speak for everyone, but I've had a lot of conversations over the last few months. And a lot of content marketers really feel like their work is an extension of the brand of the companies that they're they're working for. And I think a lot of kind of roadblocks come along the way when they feel like the once they produce their work and their work is tied to kind of brand values of the business, the other side of it, right? You create content because people read the content, and then eventually they come into your funnel, they enter your sales process. And there's this like element of just trying to maintain consistency across the way. However, content marketers in their function might not necessarily have control once they hit publish. So I'm curious, I know you were responsible for kind of brand, building brand teams. Like how did you think through those sorts of issues as you were kind of hitting the ground running, owning brand at G2? Yeah, I think that first it comes down to the education and making sure that everybody in the organization is on the same page because brand at a fast growing company is sometimes an afterthought because you have all of these initiatives going, you're moving very quickly teams have very aggressive goals. And so they're moving as fast as they can to hit those goals, whether that's the number of subscribers you're growing on the content side, your pipeline on the management side, et cetera. And so I think for us, the first thing was, how do we make sure that we educate the rest of our organization on where the brand comes in and plays a role? And in my perspective, it's the brand plays a role across really all parts of the organization and all touch points, not just the marketing touch points, but the customer success touch points, the way that you, you know, 
talk to your prospects. I think that actually is an exact target example where at exact target, it was always about the brand as this living, breathing thing that every employee at the company is representing at all times. And so that takes a lot of work and time to get everybody on that same page and, and show to them, this is what brand can be. And I think you, the way to do that, you really do have to show it. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove through well-executed you know, projects and collaborative engagements that this is, is the impact that we can have. I do absolutely think that content and brand are so closely tied together. And I think that one thing we learned over the course of the, the time at G2 was that the content is the very top of the marketing funnel. And we really need to be thoughtful about how that ties in with the rest of the journey that our users are going on, because it's really easy for it to get disconnected. And I wish that that was something that we had lockstep figured out from the get-go, but it takes time to really understand how somebody is engaging with your content and then what that next step looks like. You know, it might be that they are, we want them to be a repeat content user and then how do we get them to, you know, the next step and the next step to eventually convert into a customer with us? And that takes a lot of time and, and long-term strategy. And it's, it's counter or it's often hard to put that much time and energy into that long-term thinking because in a high growth company, you're moving so quickly that it's all about like hitting those goals and knocking those things that are right in front of you. So we work to build that relationship between brand and content over time and um, work to really get to a point where we could articulate, here's our, here's our overall message, here's our overall strategy, and then here is how these different components of content, demand gen, et cetera, fit in. And we didn't get it perfect and it's still a work in progress with the team that is working through this with G2 today. But that is something that we really tried to build through those internal relationships, as much transparency as possible. And, and then again, working through it and, and being comfortable with trial and error. So like there were sometimes things would go out on the content side that maybe it didn't fit exactly with our brand. And we would use those as learning experiences. We didn't take them down. We, we wouldn't penalize something that, that went out that wasn't exactly on brand, but we use those as learning opportunities to discuss, okay, how does this fit with the brand? How does it miss the mark? What would we do next time to adjust and calibrate? And then what are some of the things that we can put into place so that we can make this efficient and effective for all of our teams? So that would look like frameworks or processes that we could then implement as we learned. And I would say to sum it up, it really was a learning experience that required a lot of trust and collaboration between the different teams, between brand and content, for example, to get that to a point where, you know, we were really jiving well. And, and I think like, you know, to use a, the worst of the business buzzwords that like, there's a really good synergy there. Uh, I say synergy all the time. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> so my takeaways are one, Cross-functional collaboration is key to journey mapping and customer journey exercises are difficult and it's really, really hard. I um, mean, it has to be uh, an ongoing initiative. I'd love to kind of get your perspective on this. I think 
a lot of content marketers that I'm talking with, they they feel like you know they're they are the catalyst for change within B2B, right? They are the ones that are educating. They're the ones providing value and thought leadership in market. However, internally, like they might have KPIs that go against the grain of the work that they're doing. It's more aligned with leads and, and generating volume. And I think it goes into kind of what you were saying earlier about just like, you know, high growth, fast moving, like there's got to be metrics in place. But, you know, now we're seeing kind of maybe a shift with an old, a, a new way of how we approach B2B marketing and kind of building audience to the way it used to be. And so I'd just be curious because I know you were responsible for building like kind of a brand team at G2. Like w- what sort of functions and roles did you put into place to help uh, build that brand team? And then how did those roles help execute and maybe help with cross-functional collaboration and alignment within the organization? So I think that what, well, it's important probably to note the stage of the company and, and why that really played into why we did what we did and like brought in the folks that we did. But at G2, we had a really strong demand gen team. We had a really strong and experienced content team that had been producing content uh, for quite some time at G2. And essentially we had these different functions that in silos were operating really well, but we didn't have somebody who was looking at the overarching picture to understand that customer life cycle we just talked about in terms of how does somebody engage with our brand from the very start? And then how do we not only move them through the funnel, but just think about that. Think about like, the big picture of, you know, what content's going to be most valuable that, you know, naturally ties into the products that we're launching or that will soon to be launched and tying those in with the demand gen campaigns to get us through to those leads. And so we needed, you know, consistency. And I think that overarching understanding. And so what we, what we did is we built a creative team, a brand team that really, you know, understood the end users and the personas that we were going after and was tasked with with coming and looking at things from that overarching view of the customer journey. And one of the initial needs I will say was was just consistency. And, And so consistency, not only in how we spoke, but also what the brand looked like, what it represented like really taking what was existing and and being able to articulate it. And so the folks that we brought in were a team of creatives that were copywriters, web developer, um, designers who could help create this visual identity that we wanted. And um, just to, to crystallize the identity that you know we we felt that we had at G two and just needed to articulate. And then they were also just an amazing group of people that could not only do that, but also, you know, understood the overarching picture and and how we put those pieces together. And it was helpful to us because through even these tactical projects of bringing in the projects that needed creative work, like copywriting work, visual design, et cetera, we were able to very quickly get an understanding of what was happening in the organization and then connect the dots. So I started with like, you know, we needed somebody that was looking 
over all of these functions to understand how do they work together to serve our customer. But then to actually execute that, we did start at a very tactical level and we started with, you know, well, well, let's get that low hanging fruit. Let's get our visual identity and our, our brand identity consolidated into this one group who oversees it. Let's then build these relationships and, and start getting involved in this work across the organization. And then as we got to that point, we were able to get to that level of, okay, we have a very good understanding of what's happening across the business, what things we need to improve, and then how to take that to the next level to identify like, okay, what is the path that we want them on? But that is a, a long journey, I will say. It wasn't overnight and it's it's definitely been something that's grown over the years. Yeah. I, it sounds like kind of a, a crawl, walk, run approach was taken and knowing that it probably and all likelihood never quite ends. It just keeps going. And there's probably always areas of opportunity to help refine. I'd love your feedback just from a someone out there listening who might be in some sort of content or brand role and might be, might in their role, notice that things, what they're doing on the front end might not be happening correctly on the back end. And um, there's not consistency with message. There's not consistency with tone. There's not consistency with kind of this whole uh, customer experience. And so you've got an individual who's noticing these things within their organization. Like what feedback, I guess, regardless of role, honestly, it can be individual contributor or maybe director level or whatever, but like what feedback since you've, you've been in the position to kind of help facilitate this change, what feedback would you give for those individuals to start getting going on a path um, to create some consistency and, and just uh, better brand touch points along the way? Yeah. So I think that with a brand in particular or, you know, messaging, it's, challenging because it's usually an output of multiple different groups within the organization. And in order to make change, you have to have buy-in from these different groups. So I think the first thing you need to do is really illustrate the problem that this is causing. So if you see it's a problem, you see it's not changing, you see that you know, you're perhaps getting hit with resistance on it, start with identifying what's the business impact and not doing this. And oftentimes that comes with identifying the customer impact. So if you can really speak to when we don't have consistent messaging that leaves our customers confused, or it sets the expectation that we're going to meet their needs this way. And then they get into the conversation with us and it turns out we actually meet their needs that way. That's slowing down the sales process. That is creating more friction that leads to fewer of those deals converting. I think that you really need to be able to articulate the impact to the business. And sometimes the easiest way is to articulate the impact to your customer. And then you can start to work back on like those business metrics that you're you're probably seeing impacted by that, whether it's time to close or conversion rate or um, a number of other different areas. And then from that point, I think it does get easier once you've agreed that this is a problem that needs to be addressed. And um, again, I encourage everybody to start with the customer. So what is the state of what your folks are hearing on the, you know, the other end of the line, if you will, what are the perceptions that your customers have 
what are the challenges that are facing? And then how does that match up to how you're solving those problems, how you're speaking to your solutions and, and almost doing like a audit of here's what they're hearing and how does that match up to what you're saying? And that's going to give you the, the best insight. I think throughout that process, you know, you will of course talk and and get insights from other stakeholders within the business. But it's so important to start with that customer because um, their perception is really what matters at the end of the day. And um, once you have that level of insight, then you can work to build your messaging around what you wanna be getting out there into the market. And just like you said earlier, Brett, it's not a one and done, it's an evolving process. And that's, that's why it's so important. I think as marketers in general, to keep such a close pulse on what your customers are saying and doing. I think that spans from product and customer marketing to content marketing and demand gen marketing and event marketing. Uh, You really need to have that customer empathy and understanding, and that's always going to make your messaging better and your content better. It always goes back to the customers. That's where all the answers are. Maybe we close out with this one. Speaking of customers, I know you likely interacted or saw a bunch of cool stuff that G2 customers were doing that might've been innovative. I think um, we are seeing just like these shifts in the way B2B marketing happens. And you've got, I like to refer to it as kind of like the old way and the new way where, you know, the old way might've looked like, you know, how we were operating and how we were doing marketing, you know, eight to 10 years ago at exact target. Well, I felt like at the time we were innovating, but there's this marketing playbook that we were running that was proven in SaaS. Kind of the new way is, is more frictionless, open-ended, more um, brand building, more content driven, less roadblocks, uh, less SDRs calling you a million times and trying to get you on a demo, um, but more putting the position or decision into the um, customer's hands for them to kind of walk through the journey themselves. So I'm curious just in your role at G2 or maybe outside of it, just what are some of the things you're seeing B2B marketers do these days that you think are standing out, that you think are helping build brand and that you think five to 10 years from now will be those foundational building blocks for how the entire industry you know, does marketing? I think that the biggest thing that I'm seeing that I admire about companies and ones that are really making a shift is marketers that are really opening the doors to their business, their product, and the good and the bad. And that certainly comes from my time at G2 and time spent helping users get their voices out there and seeing the companies that are taking advantage of it. But the reality in the world today is that when a customer or user is coming to your site, they already have done a lot of research about your solution, your competitors, what they need. And they are coming with, you know, more information than they've, they've ever had. And I think they're coming in the, with more skepticism probably than they've ever had that your marketing is um, not entirely truthful to, to just put it out there. Marketers have that reputation of, you know, uh, painting a perfect picture and the reality once you start working with that business is it's just not perfect. And I think that 
users appreciate when a company is willing to say like, hey, we aren't perfect. Here's what is going really well or what our product does really well. Here's areas that we're improving. And I'm not saying that a company uses that incredible copy I just mentioned on their website, (laughs) but they are embracing putting customer voices out there first. So they are putting review sites and specifically the words of their customers out into the wild as part of their core marketing messages. And they are not shying away from the things that customers have said they don't like about the product. And I think that those that are doing that, those that are are really leveraging the voice of the customer in a really authentic way, in a way that is saying, this is so-and-so who's provided a review and you're using that, what's not highly produced, not like polish, not like your set marketing copy. The ones that are are kind of, you know, letting the the truth lead, I think are the ones that are going to start changing the game because that's what the expectation of the users are. And it's building trust and it's resulting in customers that say, okay, I'll sign up for that. I understand what these changes or these challenges are. And then they get to work together on improving that and get to really play a partnership role with the company they're working with or that they've bought. And that I think is, is where marketing is going. I think that it's, it's less polished, it's less perfect, it's less catchy, and it's more simple, transparent, and authentic as, as overused as that word has become. It is, it's showing all of the bumps and the scrapes and the dents, as well as all of the amazing things that your solution does. So many good nuggets. I love it. Hopefully anyone listening had their notepad out and were taking notes. I know I learned a ton. Lauren, I, before I let you go, you're, you're, I know you're in the middle of transition, transition of cities, homes, you name it. I'd love to know, uh, maybe tell listeners like you've, you gathered all of this experience from, you know, exact target. Obviously you just talked about your G2 experience and very valuable. And I think is, is, is uh, experience that can be pointed in a lot of different directions. Curious on what you're up to, if you've got any details or want to share about like what you're thinking about doing as kind of a, a next step. Yeah. So I appreciate you asking. I am uh, taking a jump into doing consulting work and leaving the, <laughs> the security and, uh, you know, path of full-time work and working with companies to tackle some of these challenges that we just talked about, working with them to build their product marketing organizations and um, develop some of this foundational messaging and the customer-focused approach to marketing that I've grown really passionate about over the course of my career. So I'm working with a group called Crema Consulting, which is a group of veteran SaaS leaders as well. And we're hoping to help companies that are you know, setting out to, to go on these high growth trajectories, create some of these foundational aspects that that's just going to help them continue to move quickly and and grow even faster. I love it. I'm excited for you. And definitely if you, if you hear any pain points of anything that was discussed today, at least, you know, you all have someone to reach out to now. And that would be Lauren to help see if she or her group can help solve those. Lauren, it was awesome catching up. I learned a ton. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Brad. It was great talking with you. 
Man, I had fun catching up with Lauren. So many insights and nuggets that I took with me. Hopefully you did the same. Hit that subscribe button. We do appreciate that. Leave a review. Tell a friend about the 3C Podcast. You know another marketer, sales pro, someone at an early stage company who needs some new content? Shoot them the 3C Podcast, and I do appreciate that. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you, and we'll be back next week with more 3C. 